Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page.
downstairs, came out looking behind my back. I said, how many do we need? She said, four.
One day, he met a lemmick who was unlike any he'd ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Isia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't sing. Some of the women admired Lucia for having no dots, and so they ran up and gave her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stick either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the sticker Miss Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day, I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the women who had no stickers turned and skipped away. Do you guys know why I think the stickers don't stick? We're going to find out. All right. We're gonna wait till the end. We're gonna we're gonna see what the story said. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go to Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch up on his tippy toes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. Well, I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. Punchinello, a deep voice said, Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little Lemmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other women say. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to go giving stars or dots? They're women just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinella laughed. Me special? Why? I can't walk fast, I can't jump, my paint is peeling, why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinella, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. 
people can become, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Tatiana. I know, she told me about you. Why won't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? Have you heard of that? A sticker that only sticks if you let it? That's what the maker said. The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day. And let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the leather walked out the door, you are special because I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. The end. So, my favorite thing to ask anyone after reading the story is, what do you think the story's about? What's the heart or the message of the story? Any ideas? Anything we can learn from this? Everyone's special. Yeah, that everyone's special. Like, all the limits were made by the same guy. Do you think he loved them all? Yeah. I like that message. Are there any other messages you can learn? Yeah, like what? Is there any part of the story that you like? It doesn't even have to be a message. Have you ever felt good when people like tell you something about yourself that makes you feel good? Something that would give you a gold star if I was someone that says, I should have brought stickers one day. Uh, give me a black dot or a green dot. There we go. What would happen if we all started giving those stickers to each other? Do you think it would be a good thing? No. Why not? It's not nice when we start comparing, right? Like, it's nice when people say nice things about us, and when people tell us, hey, you jumped really high, or hey, I really like your Yankee bell earrings today. It's really nice when people say those things, right? But it's not so nice if people point out the things that aren't happy about us, right? Like if someone's like, oh, Rebecca and Rebecca is really messy today. Do the guys make Aunt Rebecca feel really great? Not great. I'm so sorry. I can hear it. Just kidding. Um, it's not nice to be pointing out where we aren't perfect, right? Or where we're not doing the greatest. And Sometimes in life we meet people who try to point out those things, right? Have you guys ever heard of the bullying triangle of like the bully, the bystander, and the victim? That triangle? Yeah, I double this and thank you. Thank you. I felt crazy at the last trip because no one had heard about it. That was just me. Sometimes people bully other people, right? And they say things that are nice. Sometimes you see that and do you guys ever do anything about it if you see someone getting bullied? I just look away. You look away? Okay. Or deal with it. Or deal with it. How do you deal with it? Tell me. Let's talk about deal with it. I forget. You forget? 
been happening, like people clapping up those black dots to each other. Can you stand in like how Lucia did? And she said, you don't need these dots, you don't need these stickers. Right? We can advocate for them. Today I'm talking with all the girls about how Jesus Christ is our advocate. Do you know what I mean? That an advocate. No. What did I tell you? Yeah. I'm so excited. I didn't talk about an advocate guide. An advocate defends you when you can't defend yourself. So if you have a bully taking, like making fun of a victim, someone who's being bullied, do you know what happens? An advocate stands in between them and protects them. Now, Punchinello, who was he in that story? Do you think he was the bully or do you think he was the victim? Why would you say that? Because he was the one getting bullied. Yeah, how did he get all those thoughts? And did, how did he deal with all those thoughts? Yeah, he didn't want to blow his eye. He didn't want to play with the other women. He didn't know that he was special anymore. He didn't know that, right? But what was the big part of the story? That everybody's special. And he needed someone to help him remember. So he saw Lucia, who had no stickers, and she told him the secret to knowing to not having any sticker stick on you is to spend time with Eli every day. Now, can we go through this hangout with Eli every day? I can. Oh, you can? Tell me, where is Eli? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes? Well, do you think, do you think the women were supposed, like the wooden people, do you think they were supposed to be like us repair people? Like kind of in the story, they were currently being us. And who can we go to every day? Who made us that we can talk to every day? Yeah, and so we talk to God every day. Does it matter then if people say, hey, I really like this, Emma, you want to give me gold stars, or hey, I think you need a black spot. Does it matter anymore if we know what God says about us? No. And that's because Jesus is our advocate. Like we just talked about sin. Yes. Do you guys like this one? I did find it in your house. Because the original story, now confession had to happen. The original story I was going to read today, I left at my house. So, yes, this morning I went to reveal an island story and found a better story. And thank you for keeping me honest as well. So, this is plan B, but plan B sometimes works out. Can I turn to you guys just so you know what I'm Yeah. Yeah? Okay. God, we thank you so much that you purposely made each and every one of us into maybe each and every one of these kids. We thank you that just like the creativity of a woodcarver, you have dreamt up our personalities, you've dreamt up our stories and how life would shape us. We thank you that you've given each of these kids different dreams and fun personalities we just pray that today that by your spirit you would just solidify in their hearts that they are enough because you have made them we love you and we give all the rest of today to you amen have so much fun thank you for coming
hope you guys like that story because I love that story. And I also hope you could see all the pictures because I tried really hard. Um, let's pray. Prepare our hearts, O oh God, as we consider your outrageous grace. Help us to hear your voice, obey your purpose in our lives, knowing that your grace is sufficient for all we need. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Um, today I'm talking about and wanting to explore just this idea that I've been thinking about for a couple weeks now, and it's that Christ is our advocate. Um, yeah, I don't know much about advocates, advocacy, or courts of law, other than what the TV teaches me. So if you are a lawyer or involved in the legal system in any way, shape, or form, I apologize if I am wrong in anything. Um, we're reading from 1 John chapter 2 today. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation is where I want to start because it's the biggest word, it's the most intimidating part of the whole passage. Um, a propitiation, it is an action that is meant to make right something that is wrong. It is to regain favor in a relationship. And so this passage here that I want to start from and just thinking about with you is that if Christ is the propitiation of our sins, if he was enough to make right our relationship with God and not just us, but also to make the whole world right if the whole world decided that it wanted to follow Jesus and be right with God. Jesus is enough. There's nothing that needs to be added to that. And that that gives him this place that only he can have. And that is the place of our advocate. Because only someone in a right relationship with someone else can advocate for the offender. And the Bible makes clear that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, that each of us have offended God in some way. And as John reminds us so nicely here, we will continue to have minor offenses, even as we follow God. There will be times where we will think we're doing right, we will want to do right. Everything inside of us says, this is the right way, and then we learn later that we were acting wrong, that we were harming our relationship with God, we were harming our relationship with others. And so it's in those moments when even as Christ followers, when we do sin, we have an advocate who fights for us, who defends us, who stands in between us and the one that we have wronged and makes things right again, fully right, and not just for us, but for the whole world, if the whole world wants it. I want to just start at the beginning of this passage, where John says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
John had just written the whole first part of the letter, chapter one, and in that chapter he says, I'm sharing with you what I've seen. I'm sharing with you what I know. I've walked with Jesus. I've seen his miracles. I've been there, and I want you to share in my joy. I want you to know this fellowship with God that I know. I want you to have a right relationship with God the same way that I have a right relationship with God every single day. And so John is inviting them into that, and he's, he sets this stage saying that God is pure. God is light. In him there is no darkness. If you have darkness, you cannot know the light. You need to be made pure. And so he, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, so if we do not take God at his word and acknowledge that we have done wrong, that we were born into a world that is constantly doing wrong, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So basically, John is painting this picture and saying, this is how it is. Do you accept it? Do you accept that you have offended him and you need to be in a right relationship? Right relationship with God, first and foremost, comes through confession and repentance. Now, John says that he's writing these things so that we may not sin. And for us, for someone like me, he's like, just give me the rules. I want to follow them. I want to know my boundaries. I want to know what I can and cannot do so that I will maybe go as far as the line allows, but I will not cross the line. Um, John is writing these things so that we don't sin, but the goal of being a Christian isn't to not sin. That is never that has never been the goal. The goal isn't to be perfect. The goal isn't to be blameless. The goal is to know Jesus Christ, to know him every day, to know him every moment, to celebrate the joys, the gold star moments of our lives, and to share with him those gray dot moments of our lives too. And so I love that, that John is saying like, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, there's grace because you have an advocate who will make right, still make right your relationship. We are called to walk as he walks, to walk humbly with our God, to acknowledge him and to absolutely be repentant all the time. And this does not mean go and sin because you have someone who will just make it clean all the time. We're not to go and do our own thing. We are to walk in his commandments. In verse 3 of chapter 2, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. His commandments matter. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength matters. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. Loving our neighbor as ourself matters. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. And yet, how many times do I think my effort is enough, and then I realize my effort falls short. How many times do I think that I have given God the best of my day only to realize that I was saving the best for myself, or I was not treating people the way that I should treat them, I wasn't drawing them closer to him, I wasn't offering grace or forgiveness um, the way that I've been given grace and forgiveness. And so I do sin, I fall short. And this last two weeks I've been very thankful to be thinking a lot about how Jesus is my advocate. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, people didn't have an advocate between them and God. They had the law. The law was what was required of them. And for time until now, if people don't know God, then on Judgment Day, 
they will be measured against the law, and everyone falls short of God's law. God's law is based out of his holiness, it's based out of his purity, it's based out of his nature that he cannot violate. And so, in John chapter 5, when Jesus was talking with Pharisees and religious people, they were trying to find fault with him, and he was like, you're trying to find fault with me, but I'm not accusing you. Your own law, the law that you have been following, it accuses you because you do steal, you do covet, you do want what isn't yours, you do take matters into your own hands, you do these things, you sin. And so your own law, it judges you, and you need an advocate to fight for you. On Judgment Day, which we will all stand before God and have to give account, and in Matthew 12, it says you're accountable for even the careless words you say. I talk a lot, as most of you have probably come to know, I get a little bit nervous about my careless words, because they happen all the time. And yet I will have to be accountable for that. And if I don't have an advocate to fight for me, I have to defend myself, and I can't. And yet, because we are in Christ, because we say, yes, I have sinned, I have violated God's law, I need an advocate, not just to not just to save me and get me to heaven, I need an advocate to fight for me so I can know God here and now, so I can live right. I need an advocate to transform my heart. That's Christ. He willingly offers that to the whole world, which is amazing. Amazing that one person, he wasn't just a regular person, I mean, God in flesh, God himself came down and limited himself just so that we could know him. He paid the whole price just so we could be like Lucia from that book who every morning spent time with Eli. He invites us into that. In Romans 8, 33 to 34, it talks about how Jesus is our advocate interceding for us. Now, it's not that he just took our place at the cross, it's that he's currently now before the throne of the Father, at the right hand of the Father, because again, he was enough to make right relationship happen, and so he has that right to defend. And so we have this picture of the Old Testament where the law was what people were measured against, and then now in the New Testament, in Revelations 12, it talks about how on Judgment Day, there is the enemy of our souls, the devil, who is there accusing us, saying, oh, wait, God, you don't want to actually forgive Rebecca because she lied here, or she twisted things there, or she manipulated here, or she coveted there, whatever the list is, and that's basically just using the Ten Commandments, not even using everything that are in the law that I would definitely fall short on. The enemy of my soul on Judgment Day won't have to make things up because I have sinned. He won't have to twist things to make me look bad. I look bad because I have violated God's law. He won't be wrong when he accuses. So in either case, I know I'm guilty. I know that you guys are guilty. Sorry if you didn't know that yourself. What? I know. The gospel is that we are all guilty. Oh, glad we got that out of the way. The gospel is that we are all guilty, but the gospel, the good news, is that we have an advocate in Christ Jesus who is more than enough, and he makes us in right relationship. So this begs the question, 
does sin matter? doesn't matter if we sin, if we have an advocate who's going to fight for us anyways, and he's fully capable of making us right with God anyways. doesn't matter. And, I mean, if you read the book of Romans, especially Romans chapter 6 and chapter 8, yes, sin matters. Just because we have grace, that doesn't mean we can go ahead and just keep sinning. Because, again, the point isn't about being perfect. The point isn't about being blameless or sin-free. The point is about having a relationship with a God who is pure, who is perfect, who is blameless. He is sin-free. And so for us to have that relationship with him, we need to be made right. And sometimes that takes a process. It always involves us confessing. It always involves us repenting from our own ways and saying, no, God, I don't want to do this my way anymore. I don't want to try to figure it out on my own. I want to do things your way. I want to read Hebrews 4, verses 11 to 16. Just one moment, please. It says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by some sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom they must give account. Sin matters. I mean, again, I'm so thankful for John here because he says that when we sin, there is an advocate. We are to try to not sin. He's writing these things so that we do not sin. And sometimes the sneaky thing about sin is that sin makes you feel like you can get away with it. <laughs> I don't know if, if maybe it's just me where I'm like, oh, no one will find out about this. No one will know about that. Or I can get away with this. It's just a little trimming of the corner. <laughs> Insert whatever scenario you want there. I know that that's something that goes through my head quite often. We live in a world where cutting corners Sometimes it's actually cheered on. Sometimes it's actually praised, given those yellow stars, if you can get somewhere faster. And yet, no creature is hidden from his sight, and all are naked and exposed to the eyes to whom they must give account. God sees all. He knows all. We all have to be accountable someday, which is why I want to come back to that courtroom scene in your head. On Judgment Day, we all have the option of going in and making our case and defending ourselves. And that's what happens when we aren't in Christ. We have to defend ourselves. I love that I know many of you <laughs> because we're in Christ. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to go in there and, and try to justify why we made decisions that may have had repercussions that we didn't want them to have. We don't have to go in there in front of God and say, hey, I know that this and this turned into a bigger deal than I wanted it to. We get to go in and have Jesus Christ say, I've taken care of your debt. I've taken care of this. They're with me. I don't know what happens. Is that acquittal? Is that a lawyer's? Is there a lawyer? I feel like that's acquittal. We're going to pretend that this moment in, the in our talk didn't happen. We are acquitted, is what I want to say. 
And that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing to know that the God of the universe who we have offended has also paid the price so that we can know him. And so in conclusion, there, there are just two thoughts that I have. The first one is, if you are in Christ, you have an advocate. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Like every day when things happen, when things blow up in your face, you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Do you know that you're not alone in it? Like you don't have to find ways to necessarily make it better on your own. You have an advocate in Christ Jesus who you can go to and you can say, hey, I need your guidance. I need your grace. I need you to fight for me. And he does because our God is alive. He is exactly who he says he is. If you're not in Christ, do you want that? Would you like that? Because if you don't know Christ, he wants to know you. Just like how in the story with the kids, Eli was waiting for Punchinella to come. He was eager for Punchinella to be there. Jesus is the propitiation, not just for my sins. He doesn't just make me right with God. He is able and willing and has the right to advocate for the whole world. That's a really cool thought that I hope you take home and that you let sink in that no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you faced yesterday, no matter what you're facing tomorrow, you're not in it alone. And on Judgment Day, even for those moments when you know you could have done better or you wish you had done better or the moments where you, you want to replay in your mind, as we all have those, on Judgment Day, when you are in Christ, he is your advocate, he makes your case, he fights for you, and he has never been defeated. He's not going to start getting defeated with you. Now, I'm going to get a little bit more casual with you guys. And this is just because this is something else that I've been thinking about this week. And it's that us as Christians, we have been strategically placed in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, on purpose by God who made us, knows us, loves us. He also made, knows, and loves this world. And it's no secret to any of us that the world is a very broken, broken, dark place. I have a lot of people that cross my path where I'm currently living that don't know that they have an advocate. They don't know that Jesus Christ wants to be their advocate. And there's a verse in the, in the Bible that talks about how we are Christ's ambassadors. I'm not saying go grab a soapbox, stand on it, <laughs> and preach that you need an advocate and Jesus will be your advocate. But I want to challenge us to not get so comfortable with our routine of life, with seeing the same people over and over again, that we forget that we have a hope, a confidence that the world needs. That we have an advocate in Christ Jesus who is more than enough not just to advocate for me, but he can take on the caseload of the whole world. And he wants to be the advocate, the savior, the redeemer, the friend of everyone that, that we know. And maybe, just maybe, by his divine wisdom, he is going to use you as part of the story in bringing someone else to come and know him. Maybe, just maybe. And if you can. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we are so thankful that you loved us first. 
We are so thankful that you have given us your word, that we can see exactly how we fall short, but you didn't just leave us there stuck with our black dots thinking that we are never good enough. Jesus, we thank you that you wash us clean, that you are enough, and that you not only wash us clean, but you are our advocate with the Father so that when the accuser comes and wants to just throw in our face everything that is true, we can still stand because we stand protected and shielded by you. We thank you for that. We thank you for this church family that you put us in. We thank you for just how beautiful it is to come together and reflect on you and your character that never changes. Help us know you more. Help us love each other better. Continue to guide our steps. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Let's sing a song. There is a Redeemer. It's song number 
God, we, again, are just thankful. And we pray you'd help us to be more thankful, more aware of all the things that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for how you provide our every need in perfect timing and in perfect ways. You, you always take care of everything. And we just pray that what we are giving back to you today would be used for your kingdom and for your glory, that it would be used to encourage and draw hearts closer to you. Um, Lord, we pray that today by your spirit, you would also encourage the hearts of people who are not able to be with us, who are away. Um, for those who are sick, we pray you bring And Lord, we just uh, specifically pray right now for George and Terry and Sylvia, Ben, Joyce, Rob, Bob, Stan, Morgan. We pray for Nick, Judith, Rita, Norma, Audrey, Dawn, and Donna. Lord, we thank Pastor Philip while he's away that we'd also be with him and speak to his heart and encourage him. And for all of our elders, we pray you'd continue to give them wisdom. Continue to just draw them closer to you and show them more of who you've made them to be. <coughs> yeah, God, we love you. We are so thankful for who you are. And together we pray, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's sing one more song together, friends, before we leave. Um, number. 746, what a friend we have in Jesus.
much that you are our shield, that we can trust you, that you invite us to trust you. And we just pray that today, for the rest of the things that we have to go and be about today, that somehow our thoughts would come back to you, that you would be the loudest voice in our hearts. We love you. Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are. Mm -hmm.